Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of the 7500 to Holt, the Holtcast. As always, I'm Chet Grimsey, alongside Robert Lintot, and we're bringing you all the latest news around Aston Villa. You know, another another week, Robert, and another loss. What Really, what do you expect from Villa at this point? This is exactly what I told you last week. You tried to tell me you were optimistic, that, you know, maybe this was a place for a win, and I told you. That optimism will come back to bite you in the rear. Hey, we had it until right at the end. We're going to talk about Watford in just a moment and a little bit about Leicester City because they're going to be the only team in the top flight, I guess technically West Brom, but in in the the Midlands. Um, get get your Twitter questions answered. Talk about the, the takeover at Aston Villa. Is it dead? Is it still alive? Um, stats and recruitment. You know, what should Villa really be looking for when they bring in new players? Uh, the protest that's going to go down this weekend at the Newcastle match, last home match of the season. So let's get back to Watford. You know, and like I was saying, Villa had it until, until the very end when Troy Deeney snatched it away. Yeah, and we were so just, that might have been the most Aston Villa way to lose a match that we've seen this season. Yeah, it's really, it's about the same fashion that Sherwood chucked it against Leicester City. I mean, I guess Eric Black didn't make terrible subs, but Villa just collapsed at the end. I mean, I'll I'll be totally honest. I At about the 87th minute, I started thinking, okay, how am I going to write a recap of a win? And then... Troy scored in the 90th, and I went, okay, how am I going to write a recap about a draw? Because there's no way that that happens again. And then, of course, it happened again. Of course, yeah, of course it happened again. And and I should have known better. We all should have known better. The second that, that first Troy goal went in, we all should have known that the second one was coming. Yeah, and it, I mean, I didn't really care once we had lost the win. A draw, whatever. A win. I just wanted one more win. For the season, maybe we'll get it against Newcastle. <laughs> I at this point, I would, I wouldn't bet anything on it. <laughs> like, no, I could, I could bet a pound on that, but I could also use a pound to just do something better with my life. Yeah, That's like my first Britishism the of toilet. the day, by the way. That's what. Your That's first... my first Britishism of the day. Oh yeah. Um, if you haven't seen our latest iTunes review, I guess you could. You can see that, but I mean, we're we're happy to get all iTunes reviews. So thank you for leaving those, everyone who has so far. And yeah, so so the match, I don't know, it was going pretty well. It was entertaining. Um, I know the night before, at about ten o'clock or something, I came up with the genius idea of, hey, let's have a Twitter poll and let you guys decide if I should take a shot of tequila for every goal scored in the match, and overwhelmingly it was yes, so... It's very easy to make someone else get drunk when you don't have to live with the consequences. Oh, I mean, there there weren't really a lot of consequences after the match. I went with some of the other villains and got some fried shrimp and then went home and fell asleep for five hours. Yeah, that sounds perfect. That's, That's what like happens when you, Saturday. when you have two beers and... Five shots before eleven a.m. because because of the villa. Um, 
I don't know. The the really frustrating thing and the thing that just sort of blew my mind is Villa took that lead in, I think it was the 23rd minute or so, and it was the first time that Villa had had a lead since February 6th. Oh my god. Which is just, I think it was like 85 days or something. I actually sat down and calculated it and someone wanted to know how many minutes it was. So I actually figured out how many minutes it was. Um, and I don't remember the answer now. Yeah, I but saw yeah, it. It I, wasn't not not minutes of game action. It was just actual minutes. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and afterwards I started thinking about the methodology and I thought maybe I should have uh, waited until Villa conceded their first goal in their next game. Because that, that entire time I suppose Villa did have a lead after that Norwich win. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. So, I, my methodology might be a little off here, but that's okay. Uh, the, the point still stands that Villa had been garbage for the vast majority of those ensuing almost three months. <laughs> I mean, almost the past six years, but... Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was nothing, nothing really good came of this. I thought Ashley West would look good again. Uh, two assists on the day. Yeah, it was it was a great set piece delivery to Clark for that opener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and taking some better set pieces, he still had a few corners that you know hit the first man and were totally useless. But hey, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean the thing the thing that was annoying was their first goal was a terrible free kick to concede. Mm-hmm. A terrible position, and. Technically, there was only one minute of stoppage time, and it came in the 47th, which, that was annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, you, you just can't, you can't concede that late. Uh, I, thought we were, I thought we were going to concede for sure when Ben Watson absolutely blasted that volley that hit the bar. Yeah. yeah oh, I mean, they, they deserved a goal for that, I guess. I mean, they got it with a free kick. It was a decent enough free kick, but, come on, Guzan, or bun you know that's that's why that's why bun wasn't playing if you'd been wondering i guess i don't know i i actually thought bun had a pretty decent day i would take him and his performance against watford over uh guzan and everything we've seen from guzan lately i just Uh, thought his positioning was terrible because no one's gonna hit it to the far side it's always gonna go for that upper corner that's the only place to put that free kick i suppose um I watched that replay a few times, and I didn't think Bun could have done much more on that free kick goal. Neuer would have caught it. <laughs> well, yeah, but um, I don't know. I, I was even even if we considered that a mistake, uh, I'd still at this point would rather see Bun and Gold than Guzan. I think there's more potential there. Um, like I said on Twitter that day, I feel like Bun is going to screw up, but it's not the inevitable feeling of disaster that I get from Guzan. Oh, no, and it, it obviously wasn't a disaster because Villa rebounded and were able to score another. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, and there was another another moment where Rudy Justed was, I guess, he wasn't really free on goal. He was the first man into the box. He was being chased, uh, kind of drifting off to the right side, and shot it over what over the north stand oh my god yes i (laughs) i forgot about that moment how did he possibly like if you're thinking of a clock face he needed to shoot it to 11 o'clock at about chest level and he shot it about 50 feet above his head to three o'clock yeah completely how do you miss aim that badly Mm mm-hmm 
It was it was a horrible, horrible attempt. Yeah, it was a Husky. I mean, that's impressive that you can kick the ball that hard, but maybe huh. maybe he should just take the goal kicks and maybe one would end up in the back of the net. Back yeah. of the other team's net, you know. I mean, Kuzin <laughs> can take the goal kicks and they'll end up in our net. Huh. Uh, but yeah, I'm not really sure there's too much to be learned from this match. Uh, that back line was atrocious. Yeah, yeah. I what, what was annoying was when people would come out, people came out saying, we're playing three at the back. No, we're playing five at the back. Yeah, I was pleased to see Kevin Toner, and I thought Kevin Toner did all right. Yeah, I thought he did fine, but I mean, playing five at the back against Watford in a season when you literally have nothing to lose. Like, we can't get 19th, We there's nothing to gain from this. And we decided to play five at the back against frickin' Watford. I that might be the most embarrassing point of the season. I understand using three center backs against the striker uh, partnership of Troy Deeney and Odina Gallo because three versus two, you're always going to have a spare man. That that makes sense. But you can't put Hutton and Sissoko in wingback roles because Sissoko is the most conservative player ever. He never takes any risks. And, and Hutton is overly energetic without the skill to back it up. Yeah, and he's just Hutton. And he, he yeah. didn't even Hutton date anyone, so... Yeah, and it was it was five at the back, and it was junk. I God... I don't know. That whole match irritated me. I'm ready for Black to go. I'm yeah, I'm done Just, with him. Seeing Scott Sinclair come on when you had Vertu, Carlos Hill, and Grealish on the bench, disappointing. Um, yeah. And I was disappointed, again, not to see Andre Green on the bench. Or Adama. Adama. Also annoying. And, you know, you can say you can say what you want about the referee changing this game or the season, that red card was horrible. Yeah, I thought so. It was, uh, God, I'm, I'm not really sure. My, my feeling on it was you get a red card for impeding a scoring opportunity, but he got the ball so cleanly, there was no scoring opportunity and the, and the foul came after that. Now, if you see it all as one play, then yes, he impeded a scoring opportunity, but if you actually break it down, he didn't. He got no, the ball. No, he got the ball, and it wasn't it wasn't dirty. He didn't go through the man to get the ball. Yeah, and then he was just sort of a dick after he got the ball by sticking his leg up in the air. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how much control I guess he had or whatever, but I don't know. It it did look kind of bad, but not red card bad. No. Uh, the and then we had at some point. God, I don't even remember the two players involved. Abdi, I think, is who it was. Um took out one of our players was it westwood yeah i don't know there was a there was a big tackle that no, it was, was what it was, it was ghana i think yeah i think it might have been ghana and just absolutely plowed right through him the, the, the sort of hit that gets you a suspension in the nhl and and just got a yellow for it yeah you know and once once one red card comes out of the pocket anything close has got to be red yeah, I I agree. I thought that was just garbage refereeing. But then again, Surprise. it really didn't matter that much. It's no. not like, you know, Villa were affected that much by that. Villa were affected by being Villa. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's it's really what's done them in a lot this season. <laughs> uh, let's forget this match, though. I'm tired of it. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move from the the bottom of the table to the top, where Leicester City they've won the league and 
James mentioned this to me before the podcast of are some could some Villa fans or some Birmingham based football fans, Midlands area football fans switch allegiances to Leicester? I mean they could. You know, I mean do you do you see that happening? Do, I mean obviously it's Leicester getting a lot of fans in America because they're good and that's just how it works, but um, Birmingham will be the largest metro area in Europe without a top flight team. Yeah. And I, I don't know, it's going to be harder to see Villa, I guess, next year, but... It's supposed that my question to will a fan switch is, do I give a crap? Like, if fans switch, who cares? If you're the kind of fan that's going to switch just because we dropped and you now want to support Leicester, who are a bunch of a-holes, uh, despite their amazing story... Uh, then you're certainly not the type of fan I want to associate with anyway, so adios. Yeah, exactly. Nobody needs those kind of fans. No, I, I've got no need to have them around. <laughs> yeah, but, well, anyways, congratulations to everyone on Lester except Jamie Vardy, but... Special congratulations to Mark Albrighton, who actually has always seemed like a genuinely wonderful guy. Yeah, and who scored the 20,000th goal in Premier League history for us. Yeah. In a match that I was watching on the beach in Florida one time, but and we <laughs> lost to Arsenal. He he was a great guy, and if anyone deserves it, it's him. And boy, does it make that summer decision to let him go even more appalling. Uh, yeah, and at, at, I wrote a piece at the time that said it was a bad decision, but... Yep. Um, I mean, he was not playing great for Villa at the time, but he was a cheap option. He was yeah, a cheap and even, even, though Lester, even though Lester were going to pay him, what... 20,000 a week more than Villa. That's only a million pounds over one season. And how much is it going to cost to get a replacement? More than 1 million pounds per season. Yep, absolutely. It was it was a pretty bad decision at the time, and in retrospect, one that looks even worse. Yeah. Uh, good gracious. Yeah. All right, so only had a couple of Twitter questions. One actually was from James Russian, one of our... One of our writers, um, in all seriousness, what does Nigel Pearson bring to the table if he's the new manager? And apart from being an excellent strangler and an ass in general, uh, I, I guess apparently his players enjoy playing for him. He's a player's manager and can, can get the dressing room behind him. So I guess that's a positive. Yeah, um, I, he's, he he has experience. He's brought a club up from the championship, obviously. There we go. That strikes me as the biggest answer right there. He's brought another club up. He's got promotion fighting experience. Yeah, and successful experience. You know, you can look at someone who's who's been there, who's been around, and you can say they have championship experience. But have they have they brought the team up and then subsequently gone to get it done on a cold night in Stoke? Because that's that's where we need to get back as the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, That said, if you want to make the argument that it's experience bringing a team up, then Aston Villa should be trying to hire Paul Lambert, who's now looking for another job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of that ship has sailed. I think I don't. I'm not. I'm not. But if that's the if your best argument for Pearson is he's got experience bringing a team up, I can give you a manager who's done it twice and is better at it. And who we want no part of. 
Yeah. So if I can give you a better version of what you're arguing is good and you say, no, thanks, I don't want that, then that means your argument isn't all that good. Oh, I agree. I, I don't I don't think there's really a, any argument for bringing in Nigel Pearson. But the thing is with Lambert is, you know, a couple years ago, the the board, whoever, said that even if, if Villa go down, Lambert was staying. And, of course, that was the right decision at the time if we went down. We had the young squad. He could have could have brought us back up, mm-hmm. and you know, even even last year, if we would have went down last year instead, and they would have just accepted it and kept Lambert, I, that would have been okay. Yeah, I maybe you can't Although, just pay him a bunch of money to leave and then pay him a bunch more to come back. You know? No, absolutely, I know, but it's just. Uh, yeah, it's an obviously nonsensical argument because nobody wants Lambert back. I sure as hell don't. But I'm just saying the best argument for Pearson is an argument that would mean we definitely need Lambert back and everyone sees how dumb that would be. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, don't, I mean, neither neither of them really should be the option. And I don't think we're going to get to this in a second, but I don't think that they're waiting for new ownership to announce Pearson because... I don't think new ownership is coming. And we had a question from George Jones at Villa George. When are we getting taken over? It actually was a poll. And there's been 51 votes so far. Obviously, early days, 22 hours left in the poll. But only 2% said before end of season, 31% before next season, 14% during next season slash later, which is what I chose because the fourth option never, which is what I kind of feel like, Obviously, there will be an owner after Randy Lerner at some point, so oh, that's nope. not really a choice. Robot Landy, Randy Lerner, then head in a jar Randy Lerner. Yeah, then again, then again, Trump could win and nuke the world, and at, at the end of time, it could be Randy Lerner still owning Aston Villa, so oh. maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's actually a, a pretty good choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I'm starting to fall in with you. For a while, I actually thought, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm, it's starting to feel like last year where we had a bunch of smoke and no fire. So I'm I'm not convinced that this takeover is happening anytime soon. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's unfortunate because obviously that's what everyone would have liked to see. That's what Randy Lerner would like to see. He lowered his price. But when you're linked with people like Larry Ellison, you know, it's too good to be true. And obviously it has been so far. And if it really was... 75 million i mean i i think people would buy the club for 75 million it's a pretty low low asking price Mm -hmm. oh yeah but are there really are there three are there three bidders are there three parties interested in the takeover obviously it's impossible to say yeah, another week of stagnation again points out how silly it is to wonder who are the new owners going to bring in as like a director of football. <laughs> new owners? <laughs> yeah, exactly. New owners and then new directors. Yeah, again, it's that thing that we talked about last week, that in order to get to any of these decisions, you've got to go four steps down the what-if line. Yeah, exactly, and each one is increasingly less likely. The good news is, in some parallel existing universe, Aston Villa already have a new owner. Oh yeah, we we got bought in 2011 or something and did a Leicester this year, who knows. Yeah, actually, we were in, in some universe we were bought by Donald Trump and he's currently not the GOP nominee. 
Would that be I'm worth it? I'm going to make Aston Villa great again. It's going to be huge. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, God. Maybe they'll uh, serve taco salads there as well. <laughs> the best taco salads in all of Birmingham. Yeah. All right. Anyways, let's get get to the next thing on the agenda. And for the third item tonight on the podcast, we'll be talking about James, I guess, because tomorrow on 7500tohold.com, James Russian will have a piece going up about Moneyball and kind of kind of the merits of that at Aston Villa, which kind of leads us to this to this topic. Should Villa be focusing on stats and things like expected goals, which I don't know if, if you saw the thing on ESPN FC where Craig Burley, Scottish guy, just totally dismissed Gab Marcotti for bringing up expected goals as a metric, which I think it's, you know, it's it's a pretty decent metric. It actually looks at quality of chance creation rather than just straight shots and in the at the end of the day, just the result, which obviously Villain need results, but you have to look at something behind it to get the results and looking at what kind of players you can't just, you can't, you just can't do the eye test to see if someone's good. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a divisive article. I think the idea of metrics in soccer right now are pretty, the problem is when people keep applying the money ball perspective to soccer is in my mind twofold. The first is, uh, Moneyball is more than about being statistical. It's about exploiting market inefficiencies, which does not always mean statistics. In that particular case, it did mean exploiting market inefficiencies by looking at statistics and numbers. But it really, the core principle is exploiting a market inefficiency however you can. Um, and so it always makes me uncomfortable when people start using Moneyball equals statistics. Um, yeah, it's it's completely not the definition of it. And the sport of baseball works completely differently. Exactly. And yeah, that's the, that's the secondary problem is the fact that, um, you can't, you can't bring on a a left-handed pinch hitter to come up for into the game for two minutes. Yeah. In, in baseball, you reset the game state after every single pitch, after every event, something gets reset. So we can take a look at what happens after that sort of an event over, a hundred and what is it? Hundred and forty year history about of baseball, and we can see from this huge sample size. The problem with soccer is, or football, or whatever we're calling it. God, uh, sorry. Um, the problem is that it's so fluid that finding a particular game state is more difficult. Um, finding those same variables in in the same position is interesting and and a trick. And so it's is necessarily limited thus far the metrics that we have. And the ones that we have are good, and the ones that we have are interesting. The ones that we have are nowhere near as powerful as the ones that we have in baseball yet. Yeah, but there are there are certain measurables and if you look at the players that Villa bought last summer, like Jordan Amavi, he led Liga Un in interceptions. And mm-hmm. and Adrisagana was up there in interceptions and tackles. And you know, they've been good players and the players that the Sherwood people, the eye test, the this play. I like how this player looks. Rudy Justed shoots the ball out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's so. It's, I mean, obviously, obviously, you have to find a combination of both. But exactly, and I think that's the trick. And I think the trick is 
being cautious in the way you use this. I'm all for using statistical models to help try to predict the future. I'm all for using stats to build a better football club. Um, I also think at this point that it is really vital to recognize the limitations in, stock, in soccer metrics right now and realize that there's a lot we can do and there's a lot that we still can't do. Yeah, and I mean, you you just have to look at clubs like Michelin in, in Denmark who have a tiny budget. The club is like 10 years old and they almost got through Manchester United in the Europa League Yep, with a budget probably 1% the size. And the thing is with Moneyball too, how some people use it is they think it's just buying players to flip them for more profit. And, you know, you could do that as well, but that's that's not Moneyball. Yeah, that's also not Moneyball. It could be a part of a Moneyball idea. Um, I think one of the worst things that ever happened to sports analytics was the idea, the concept of Moneyball being poorly filtered down to people who haven't actually, you know, read the book and grappled with that idea. Because now any statistical approach is seen as Moneyball and thus gets all of the good or negative connotations that come with that. Yeah, just because there's money and a ball involved, it doesn't make it Moneyball, but... Yeah, I mean that that kind of that kind of brings me to the next uh, sub point of this topic is who can Villa even afford to buy because there's not there's not a whole lot of money so you kind of have to dip into the lower leagues or into other leagues and look at players who like you're saying could have been undervalued for such purpose and you know if if you say we already have Ashley Westwood in midfield who isn't really going to be a big runner or a tackler and say we're going to lose Carlos Sanchez and Atrisa Ghana, you you have to find someone who maybe can do a lot of running around, be a shuttler who who maybe they can't pass the ball as well, but if they could win the ball and just get it to Westwood, you know, that's that's a deficiency in that area of the team. Yep, absolutely. That's the kind of thing that Villain need to be thinking about as they go into this summer is how do we how do we best shore up this team on a really tight budget? Um and the yeah, other and how, issue, how can you craft a team that can actually play together in addition to p- performing how you want them to perform when they're playing, you know? Yep, and totally adjusting our expectations of what we expect from a team. Playing in the championship is totally different. The number of matches is different, the style of play is different, and what's expected of the club will be different. You know, we will be expecting, whether or not it's realistic, we will be expecting Villa to challenge for at least a promotion playoff spot. Um, and that sort of intensity is different than what we've expected from Villa for the past five years. And what we've expected then has been, despite the fact that we've rarely gotten it, we've expected, eh, go for 12th or so. Yeah, exactly. And with, with the additional amount of matches, you have to find players that are a little more durable. So that's definitely something you, you need to look at. You can't be signing Joe Cole. It's a good thing we got rid of Benteke when we did. Yeah. Did you see, God, who was it? Someone in the U.S. is signing Joe Cole and, like, put um, it out of the big announcement. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Rowdies in the That's NASL, it. which is technically the second tier. And there's no promotion, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, you can get promoted, <laughs> but only if, if MLS wants to promote you. So Say that, say that quietly. The pro-rel people might attack us. Oh, no. I, I accidentally dipped my toe into that water on Twitter the other day and regretted it. Oh. There's no turning back. No. Uh, Ted gotcha. Tinfoil Ted. <laughs> um, yeah, so so anyways, we'll move on from people who protest stats to 
just a general protest. It's the the latest among a line of of many protests at Aston Villa, and it's called "In the Air" on seventy four. I I know what they want, and yet every time I hear this, my hope is that it's just everyone in the stadium raises their middle fingers on the seventy fourth minute. Is there going to be even anyone in the stadium? <laughs> well, everyone that is there. Okay. Yeah. Good point. Just just pull up Beyonce, put the middle fingers up, hold them hands eye, wave well, him I, in his face, tell him boy bye. I think they're, I think they're all just going to be uh, just putting beach balls into the air. Yeah. Not nearly as effective as everyone just flipping them off. Or whatever it is, because in Europe, I think it's instead of flipping off, I think it's the, the backwards v. like Yeah, the V. But, yeah, do whatever makes you happy. <laughs> yeah, light some flares or something, I don't know. There was there was some people saying we should just invade the pitch, but that could <laughs> just... Because, because invading the pitch would get Lerner a fine, so everyone was like, well, let's just make him lose a bunch of money. <laughs> and... <laughs> But then, then uh, someone brought up the point that it could result in a points deduction, to which I said, okay, it doesn't matter. But if it's a points deduction next year, that could make a big difference. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> still like hilarious. I do just going into Lerner's coffers and being like, ah, suck it. <laughs> yeah, for going each one of us on the pitch, he gets, he gets fined a thousand quid or something. I don't know. Everyone, everyone rushed the pitch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's going to be going on at the Newcastle game, which obviously brings us to our final topic, which is that match against Newcastle, normal time, three British summertime, uh, 10 on the East Coast for you, Robert. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if I'm going to watch this one. I think I'm going to be golfing, but... God damn it. I am so jealous. We have had nine straight days of measurable rain here in D.C., and yeah, it looks just, like you, you just got the English weather. Yeah, we have. And golf sounds so lovely. Just go out, hit it around. Imagine that it's Aston Villa. Take my anger out on the golf ball. I'll just end up doing a really just stud. Try to hit it just straight straight down the course. Nice, firm drive. And then we'll probably go into someone's window or something who lives on the side ah. of the golf course. So. It amazes me, by the way, that if you're on a golf course and you hit someone's window, you're liable, despite the fact that they built their home on a goddamn golf course. Yeah, I I think you can, uh, if you have a good lawyer or a better lawyer or any lawyer, you probably could get out of it because it seems like a, the a risk of engagement. Yeah, like, okay, yes, you've got a house on a beautiful fairway or something. You should probably expect idiots like me who can't hit the ball well, you know, hit it your way. Exactly. Anyway, but, this has been the golf cast. Thanks for yeah. listening. <laughs> um, but Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle, though, they are in 17th, just a point ahead of Sunderland and two ahead of Norwich, but both of those teams have a game in hand over Newcastle. So, I mean, relegation picture is still pretty interesting despite only two of the spots. Yeah, and absolutely. And involving really only three teams, it's... It's kind of just a, a roulette of who's who's going to end up going down. But anyways, Newcastle, their fans hate us because we sent them down in, what, 09? Mm-hmm. But from what I can tell, Villa fans don't really care enough to hate them. My, they, uh, The Birmingham Mail today did an interview with the guy who made the Savon the Tyne banner. Yeah. And his quote basically boiled down to, 
we're not mad. We just think it's funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which was like, yeah, we don't we don't even think about these people. Although it would be hilarious if we brought them down into the, into the relegation fight again. Yeah, yeah. If we could, if we could get a win, that would piss them off exponentially more than it would make us happy. But from that aspect, let's do it because that's funny. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some some real on the pitch banter. Yeah, let's, right let's, let's take Newcastle down with us. That would be fun. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it would be pretty great. I. Although I kind I, I'm of kind like of the hoping, idea of playing the spoiler. I'm kind of hoping Norwich and Sunderland go down just because I feel like Newcastle has a better squad of that. I don't know how much they'll retain, but I feel like Newcastle and Sunderland, or excuse me, Norwich and Sunderland are teams that Villa could have a better chance of finishing above next year in the championship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's not a reason to punt it against Newcastle. Let's try to beat them and whatever, but just, you just realize something to think about. That if Because Manchester United have three matches left. They could catch up to Arsenal. Man City could catch up to Arsenal. Which means that if we won our last two matches, we could help relegate Newcastle and drop Arsenal to Europa League positions. Yeah, and at that point, I'm hoping that Liverpool win the Europa League because that would be hilarious if five English teams got in and Arsenal were not one of them. <laughs> Although, I am I am hoping City kind of fall out of the top four just to troll Pep when he, he takes that job and they're not even in the Champions League. I'm, I'm okay with that, but I kind of like the idea that Aston Villa could just be total junk for an entire season and then spoil two seasons in the last two weeks. We didn't just ruin our own season. We ruined two other teams' seasons <laughs> as well. I I hope we do end up screwing Arsenal over, mostly because I was really annoyed the other day when all their fans were rooting for another one of their rivals, Chelsea, against Spurs. You know, you don't if there's a game, you don't have to root for either team. You can hope that like the stadium blows up or something if they're both <laughs> your rivals. You know, that seems like a more reasonable thing to do. And, and you know, like. Arsenal Arsenal fans trying to troll Spurs when Arsenal should have won the title this year and yeah. Spurs fans were hoping to finish fifth and Spurs are going to be second and maybe Arsenal will be fifth, you know? It's yeah. just I, Arsenal uh, fans are out of control. I uh, Yeah, I used to be okay with Arsenal until this year when they started complaining about imagine having one of the worst teams around and it's just like y'all are in third. We do have the worst team around. It's go not an, an imagination. It's a reality. We're terrible. Quit whining. Go suck a tailpipe. If, if you want to whine about something, whine about your owners nickel and diming you for every penny. And, you know, and your your ticket's costing way too much and you, them not spending the money. That's something to whine about. But your squad Ooh, is good. Can you imagine wanting to get rid of Wenger? <laughs> yeah, um... Another thing, that was another thing on Twitter, is Spurs signed Pochettino for, for five years, and I was like, yeah, I bet they'd like to make him manager for life, and some Arsenal fan was like, oh, be careful what you wish for. It's like, what? Champions League every year? Yeah, okay, I'll Back to back that. FA Cups? Like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Please, please sign me up for this dream. Yeah. You mean this nightmare, as you would call it, as you'd call it, you stupid Arsenal fans? But like, seriously. <laughs> uh, 
A, a Newcastle thought that I just had. If you and I wrote for Coming Home Newcastle and we did a podcast, would we call it the Newcastle Newcast? <laughs> that would be excellent. <laughs> That's, or would we call it Newcastle Podcastle? <laughs> There's so many options. Basically what I'm saying is that maybe we should start a Newcastle podcast. I would just call it Horse Punch. Ah! Because of that Newcastle fan that punched a police horse. That guy's my hero. Pod on the time. Yeah. Pod on the time. <laughs> um, yeah, anyways, uh, don't ex- don't expect a lot, obviously. Should no. probably go without this saying. This is going to be a rubbish match. Probably going to be nil-nil, and everyone's just going to cry or something. I don't know. But ho- I'm hoping that Eric Black, like someone gives him a brain transplant this week, and he plays the kids. I hope he sticks with Mark Bunn. That was the one thing he did that I was happy with. Oh, he should play Benji Segrist because apparently some other team wants to buy him. No. Oh. So at least get him in the shop window and let's make an extra 50,000 50, quid off of them. Premier League experience, you know, that's got to count for something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm right? okay with that. Right? No? Maybe not? The safety line this year could be 33 points. Exactly. Everyone was saying Villa had to get to 38, and I was like, no, we don't. But it's irrelevant, because we can't even get to 20, probably. We could. I hope we get to 19, hashtag support Stan. God, I don't know. I kind of want us to get to 22, because that means we'll have played a double spoiler, maybe. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that would be excellent. Asking troll, troll Villa. Yeah. All right, so I think we're gonna we're gonna leave you on that note, and as always, you can get all the match coverage you want from us on Twitter at seventy five hundred Holt and like us on Facebook. Follow along with our news there. You're probably already reading our site seventy five hundred Holt dot com, and obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you can before you can find it again where you did last time. We're not going anywhere except YouTube since we've switched back to audio, but that was. A little while ago, and we're hoping you're liking the new audio quality, and once again, we do apologize for the ads, but yeah, we have to do them. So, anyways. Gotta get paid, yo. Yeah, yeah, I have to to make an extra 50 cents. (laughs) I'm still still eager to see how this turns out. Yeah, we haven't got paid yet, so if, I mean, we we, we weren't supposed to have gotten paid yet, but if, if, if there's not any money, we'll probably cut the ads, so... Anyways, spiel over. Thanks for listening, and for Robert Lintot, I'm Jack Grimsey. Catch you next time on the Holcast.